There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, the Lead with Empower podcast is back. We are in episode two of, I believe, season four, and really excited for our next guest right here. First met Mr. Christopher Koch back, I don't know, we had a couple Zooms maybe in the spring, but spent quite a bit of time with him over the course of uh, a two-week summer program we ran down there in Stratford. Um, got to know him over the couple weeks, and you know, one of the first things that stuck out to me about Chris was, you know, working with a lot of schools, we get to work with a lot of different assistant principals and, and to see Chris in action with, with students in a little bit of a non-traditional setting. I'm like, this, this guy has it. He's got, he's, there's something about Chris that connects with students is able to, you know, lead them down the right path. And, um, just you could tell there was, there was a connection there and, and a rapport there right out of the gate with the students. And, um, we hit it off, you know, pretty quickly and had some great conversations over the course of the summer and the start of the school year here, super excited. And I'd say a little bit even honored to, to have you on, especially at the start of a school week on a Tuesday, we're grinding it out. We're staying in the office, well-dressed, loosen the tie a little bit for the uh, relaxation mode of the conversation here. But Chris, can't thank you enough for, uh, for joining us here on the lead with empower podcast. How is, uh, What's this like week three or four now? Yeah, we're we're entering uh, week four really right now, and uh, it's been weird because this is our first full week. We've been broken up between Labor Day and a couple of Jewish holidays, so this is it. We're it's go time. It's it's the full week, and we're uh, we're kind of feeling the burn even early. So, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. I don't know if I can match your enthusiasm, Dan. We always go back and forth, but I am pumped to be here today. Yeah, and you you definitely do that. I try to keep up with you anytime we're together as well. So this should be a good high energy conversation. Even though, as we said, he's on Chris is on the the, the back end of a, a Tuesday to the start of the first full day of the week. So we'll make sure we let you off for this thing with plenty of gas left in the tank to get you through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That I can I'll I'll half heartedly promise you. I'll do my best. Sounds good to me. <laughs> hey, so. We had the pleasure of working with about 35, 40 high school students, and then maybe half of those were rising ninth graders that are that 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 were heading to Bunnell High School. How those 21st century program participants that are at Bunnell right now, we got to know them over the course of the two weeks of the summer program. Again, without necessarily, you know, calling out any specific uh, students, but how, how would you say that small pocket? Uh, of ninth grade students are are doing in, in what is a, a normally a rough transition, but after the past couple of school years, I think an even tougher transition for students. Well, so far, so good. You know, I've, I've connected with uh, several of them over the first couple of weeks, and um, it's been nice because, you know, we don't often get an opportunity as administrators to really connect kind of prior to the start of the year with our freshmen. And um, so that's been nice. It's been nice going down the hallways and seeing a couple of kids, acknowledgement um, from, from them about what they did in the summer and that they're excited to be here at Pinnell. But, uh, you know, I have to share a quick story because uh, it happened just the other day. It was last Friday and one of the students, and it's actually a student you know well because he was one of the featured students in your interview uh, session at the end of the summer program, stopped me in the hallway and said, Mr. Koch, Mr. Koch, check it out, and pointed to his Empower uh, Leadership T-shirt. Nice! T-shirt that day, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. And he was pretty psyched, and uh, it was a nice little moment in the hallway. But again, we don't we don't normally get the uh, that opportunity as administrators. Um, you know, ninth graders come in every year, and the way we do it at Bunnell, we follow our class. So we each get a class in uh, split between the three administrators. And then there's one class that's literally divided in thirds. So um, this year, for example, I have the seniors and I have the bottom third of the juniors. So, you know, you don't always get that connection 
with the incoming freshmen, but it's nice that, uh, that I've got some recognition with some of those kids already and they're pretty pumped to be here. And it, I think it's good for them to see a face that they saw just, you know, about a month back. So um, I yep. think that's been really powerful so far. Great, great. And then we'll stay with just the overall Bunnell High School student body. And we were talking offline before we got started. And this is a pretty unique school year. Um, and as you stated in, in kind of our pre-recording huddle, the, the idea there's almost like two two grades of students going through that ninth grade transition, the ninth graders and the 10th graders. Speaking one to that, those two groups of students, and then to your 11th and 12th graders, what would you say is the overall just temperature of, of being back? And, and what's the day like right now in Bunnell High School, just a few weeks into the year so far for the student body? So um, it, it's definitely, um, it's very interesting and it's incredibly unique. Uh, you hit it right on the head when you uh, capture what we talked about prior to the, the podcast. Um, it really is like having almost two freshman classes and then you have upperclassmen. So you, you've got a gap really kind of in the middle. Yeah. And um, it's been a little bit noticeable so far uh, to tell you the truth. I think that the uh, freshman class and then the sophomore class, uh, which, you know, so much of their, you know, the start to high school was interrupted with COVID. Um, they're, they're really kind of trying to feel it all out. They're trying yeah. to get a, a sense of what it means to be in high school. And um, they're doing it again under this, this umbrella of, you know, the COVID metrics and um, our fingers crossed each and every day that we can keep our, our students in person as much as possible. And we get some spikes and dips as, as uh, you'd expect from state numbers and certainly national numbers. So um, they're in a, in a process really where they're, they're really just trying to feel things out. Um, you know, there's some immaturity that, that always exists at the beginning of, of a new school year, particularly with freshmen. And there may be a little bit more of that right now because of the sophomore class or, or the second freshman class, almost, if you will. And then you've got a gap. And it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, you always have a gap to some degree, but you have a real noticeable chasm right now between those two um, younger grades and our upperclassmen. So you've got the juniors who have, you know, who kind of started kind of on the right foot pre-COVID and then kind of, you know, had some significant interruptions. And then you get the senior class who actually had a pretty good run until, you know, the last year and a half. So they almost had a year and a half under their belt. Then they hit a year and a half here. And now they're in their final year trying to cope with, um, you know, all the things that senior year, you know, involves at the same time, honestly, uh, kind of holding their breath. Yeah. So I think it's the best way to describe it or to characterize it would be a lot of uh, feeling out on the part of the younger students. And then with the upperclassmen, a little bit of kind of tenuous holding their breath and, and hoping that um, they can have some semblance of normalcy um, as they continue on as upperclassmen. And certainly for the seniors, just hoping they can get through to uh, June 2022 and, you know, keep everything intact as much as possible. So yeah. it's it's really a mix. Um, but it's exciting to see everybody back. I, I can't tell you enough. It is it is incredible to see the hallways filled again and to hear the laughter and to hear the, the people talking and to hear teachers approach students and vice versa and welcome them back. And, you know, there are a lot of months as administrators where we were coming into the school and even our staff wasn't in. Yeah. So it was eerie. It yeah. was quiet. It, <laughs> it was not like anything you expect when you talk about a good sized public high school in the state of Connecticut. And it's great to hear the hallways filled with laughter and noise and, and good noise and, um, and kids, you know, talking with their teachers and, and walking by and seeing stuff going on and the magic happening in the classrooms again. Great. And, I, and this is, I think in line with what you just talked about with the seniors and their, their cautious optimism of hopefully getting to the stage and walking across the stage with a big audience and all that type of stuff. But I, I was working with uh, seniors from Mercy High School here in Middletown last week or the week before, and I, they, they were doing a, a little bit of a, a, a huddle before our, our program began. And the, 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 one of the administrators mentioned that the seniors are the only students in the building who had a full year, traditional year, 
of the high school experience at Mercy High School. And that was that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, one quarter of your high school are the only set of students who had one normal year in the building, which has got to be pretty wild for them, for the, the, the younger students, for the teachers, administrators, staff. What talk a little bit about the, the Bunnell High School, you know, faculty staff and just what their mindset and what their energy is right now. Again, not even a month into the school year, but realizing that while we have one group of students who's familiar and had, you know, had some momentum going outside of that, it's, it's almost a clean slate. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, they came in um, ready to go. They, they really came in ready to hit the ground running, which is all we can ask and hope for as administrators. You know, we work very closely um, with our teacher, with our teachers here. And um, it really is a collaborative effort. And, and I know that, that um, you'll hear that from any good administrator about, about their staff, but really at Benel, we, we really build a strong community and work super hard to do that and to keep that going each and every day, each and every year. So, you know, we anticipated that our staff would come back hungry and ready to go. Yeah. Um, and they have, they've really, really um, risen to the challenge and, and actually, you know, gone above and beyond even in these first few weeks. Um, you know, I, I think that there is, obviously there is definitely that, wow, it's, it's game on. <laughs> that first day when all of a sudden you saw just droves of kids coming in the halls, it was, you know, all the preparation, all the anticipation, it's like a big game, right? You know, you're busting out of a tunnel at the Super Bowl. And it's kind of like, wow, the crowd is roaring. They're, they're ready to go. You know, here come the kids coming into the building and, and the teachers are, you know, it was just that level of like anticipation almost rose to a crescendo. And um, so they're ready to go. And, the, you know, they do, they see some of the differences. They see the challenges. Yeah. You know, they're uh, even the, um, the rookies as opposed to the seasoned veterans, they see the challenges. They know, wow, you know, we've got a really small percentage of our kids that really know what Benel High School is all about. Um, they understand that there's going to be some growing pains in the beginning. And I think they've acknowledged and accepted that right out of the gate, which is again, all we can, we can ask for and hope for, but they're really, they're really psyched. They're really pumped to, uh, to get back in front of kids. And, you know, I said this to anybody that would listen really over the last year and a half, um, you know, the teachers have had it, you know, the teachers and the students have had it the roughest. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as an administrator who feels very connected to his students and his and his staff, you know, I also recognize they're the ones in the trenches doing it each and every day. And so when they would talk to me about, you know, I'm, I'm looking in a screen and talking to 20 kids while there's four in front of me. Yeah. There's 20 online and half of them have their cameras off. Yeah. You know, until I kind of really got in and saw that. Um, you know, you kind of hear that and you kind of say, oh, you know, it's a new reality. And then you walk into a classroom and you're like, wow, this is tough. Yeah. This is tough. And um, and it was. And, and I was fortunate enough to try to um, to take over a couple of classes last year when we had teachers out. And I, I kind of wanted to roll up my sleeves and kind of see what it was all about. And it, it was not easy. And so I give them a, a ton of credit. And and I think that um, the difference this year knowing that they were going to come in in September and well the end of August really and, and really and start to see faces and bodies sitting in front of them and be able to read expressions and all those important nuances that people don't think about you know it's one thing to to, to wonder if a student gets something that you're teaching them online or if you're making a connection it's another thing where you can read it off a student's face yeah you could feel having, it you could feel it in person absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely and without having that uh, it was tough. And so they're, they're really excited and really fired up to, uh, to really meet the challenges this year and have the kids in front of them. I've heard nothing but great things about kids in, in you know, full classrooms and bodies in front of them and people that they can respond to and stuff like that. So they've, they've, um, they've really kind of come right out of the, the starting gate. So we're, we're psyched. And it, it doesn't surprise me. And as I was kind of jotting down notes for the conversation, we, we got to spend about an hour together on an online team builder uh, that we had to move to online because of weather. And the, the energy was palpable with, with, with the Pinnell High School group and just to see them engage with one another and share and laugh and have, have such high energy and something that 
you know, fact of the matter is in my experience, at least a lot of the teacher groups I work with would rather be like setting up a classroom than doing some sort of like team building professional development. And they, they brought it, they brought it for the entire program. And it was, I think I, I, I laughed to the point of tears, uh, at some of their, um, the, the quote unquote presentations that they, that they made throughout the program. So glad to hear that that momentum is still going and still building. And um, that's, you know, part one and part two, and you, you touched on this, that you rolling up the sleeves and getting in the classroom to have that firsthand experience of what it was like to teach in that hybrid model. And that was, again, to touch that on, on the top of the episode, one of the things that stuck out about you to me over the course of our summer interactions was, you know, little bit different than a lot of the assistant principals that I've, or administrators even that I've, that I've, you know, interacted with over my time at Empower was, you know, someone that's out there and playing the games and laughing and having fun with the kids, you know, during the summer months when a lot of times it's, you know, stay away. Um, and then I look at your resume, you're 18 years in the classroom, you're in, you're starting year 10 as an admin, you've done work, um, you know, as a, as an educational consultant, you know, being involved in summer school, night school, the 21st century after school summer programs, coaching and clubs. And, it, you know, I, I summed it up in my head as like education beyond the classroom. Why is all that stuff outside of the normal scope of your day to day important to you to be involved in and, and, and to be part of uh, at Benalla High School, Chris? Well, I mean, I've always believed that um, the further you allow yourself to get away from the classroom and the kids, the further you remove yourself from really the fabric, I think that really makes up a school. Um, I'm a firm believer. And I, and I say this, I don't say this too loud all the time because uh, I don't know that everybody would agree with me, but if uh, my perfect dream job would be as an administrator would be to uh, have to take on a class and yeah. continue to teach a section, because I think that that keeps you connected. I think it keeps you um you know, in the trench, in uh, really kind of going through the experiences that teachers and students go through each and every day. Um, I love the job that I do now, but um, I refuse to let myself be too far removed from the day-to-day -day what's going on, because I think that that's where the magic is. That's where the power is. Um, a lot of great things um, come from the position that I hold right now, but I'm a teacher at heart. And yeah. I think that every single time that you can connect with a kid or you can connect with an adult uh, outside of what I do here or outside of the classroom, um, I, I think it's critical. Uh, it shows that you're real. It shows that you care. And it shows that you want to get to know somebody or you want to work with somebody in a way that stretches beyond kind of what it is that your job description is, you know, yeah. um, so going back to my career, I always wanted to take on um, new roles and wear new hats so that I could get to know the students on a, on a more personal level and also my colleagues. Yeah. And so coaching was a natural fit. I love sports and um, always have. So that was natural. But it was the other things, too. It was getting to know the students that maybe weren't necessarily the athletes or weren't necessarily going to be the rising stars. And, and I did that through summer enrichment camps and, and programs and also teaching night school where students might've taken a different path to get where they wanted to go. Uh, didn't mean that they were any um, less invested, yeah. but for whatever reason, the, the path turned in a different direction for them. Same thing with summer school, the idea of, of getting beyond what I do every day and going back and helping the students that needed the extra push, needed the extra support so that they could, you know, uh, get some credit and hit the ground running with a fresh start the following year. So I always try to look for opportunities where I can connect with people, period. Yep. I keep saying students and I keep saying adults, people, period. Yep. Um, to, I, I think it, it builds, um, my relationship skills. I think it, it hones uh, my leadership skills. And more importantly, I think it's just a connection with other um, people that, you know, in a, in a technology driven age, and we all love it and we all use it. And you know, we all have the latest iPhones and, and things like that. But you know, we, we keep getting a little further away from the true connections with people. And so um, it's just one of my passions is always to remain connected. So 
all those things that I did through the course of my career and I try to continue to do now, even as an administrator with a very different role, um, are, are designed to keep those connections going, um, to build greater connections and really to feed me, feed my soul, because that's why we do what we do. And I, and I refer back to that, that piece I just spoke about before. When we were here as administrators and the building was empty, it was really tough. It was tough for me to sit down, even on a Zoom, and hear nothing in the hallways. And to walk out at the end of the day and not even know really what time it was because it was just no sense of, you know, there was no sense of movement. There was yeah. no sense of, there were no bells ringing. There was, there was no chatter in the hallways. You couldn't tell it was a crowd heading toward lunch. It was empty. Yeah. And um, I really felt that missing piece. And I think it plays directly into why I try to do what I can to keep connections going, whether it's through the work I do here at school or out in the community uh, of Stratford, or just to continue on uh, trying to reach kids and reach adults and work with them. I, I just think it's so important. And I really do mean what I say. Um, I think the ideal administrative job would be to do what I do day in and day out, but also have that one section that just really allows me to say to a staff member that's struggling or a student that's having a tough time, hey, listen, you know, I taught second period. I know what you're going through or, or I know how hard it is to go home at night in grade papers after a long day at work. You know, you know, it may have been years, you know, 10 years removed from when I was in the classroom, but I remember those days each and every day. And I look back fondly on those. And, and there's sometimes I miss that, you know, lugging, you know, 200 uh, <laughs> advanced placement essays home and, and, and trying to, and try to grade them and, you know, sitting down in front of the Monday night football game and, and then, you know, turning and reading a paper at halftime. And, you know, and, and we all did it and, and the teachers still do it today. And, and I, there's something about that that I miss because again, it's always that connection. Yep. And yep. I think the most important thing is to try to do whatever you can, regardless of the role you have, but to, to really connect with people and to make sure that you keep um, sometimes forcing the connections. I don't mean that in a negative way, just making sure you stay, you stay, um, you stay around people, you stay around kids, you, you work with kids all the time, you know, and the last thing I'll say about this particular part is, you know, oftentimes people will say, you know, 80% of your time as an administrator is spent with 20% of the kids. Yeah. And if you're not careful, that's exactly what happens. And so I try um, to remember that and to, and to try to, um, to steer away from that. I don't want to fall into that pitfall that sometimes, you know, we deal with only the kids that are coming to our offices and oftentimes for reasons that are not, not good. Not celebratory. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got to get out there and you got to find ways. And sometimes it's harder on some days, but you got to keep doing it. You got to keep plugging away. And that brings up, and I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are on this, but it brings up that idea in leadership. And the more you grow and develop as a leader, your scope of responsibilities expands. And, you know, I, I think in any administrative position, it could be very easy to, to fall into that head down in the notebook or on the computer, the administrative stuff that is extremely time consuming. And you can go through a day and you're like, oh my God, I didn't leave my office outside of maybe a couple trips to the bathroom or whatever. And how... I don't know if it's necessarily multitasking, but there is a balance that you have to strike to keep your thumb on the pulse of what's going on in the building, keep those relationships growing and developing while staying on top of, you know, your administrative responsibilities from a strictly like leadership standpoint for you personally, Chris, how, how do you like, what sort of strategies or tactics do you keep in the back of your head or do you execute on a, on a daily or weekly basis to make sure you, you are able to be in those different roles or different, you know, pockets of your job over the course of a given week, you know, month of the school year. Well, the first answer to that is exactly what you said to recognize that um, you need to strike a balance and to recognize that you can't let one side get too heavy and the other side get too light. Um, even just recognizing that and remembering that and reminding yourself of that each day is in some ways half the battle. Yeah. Um, it's, it's when you start to lose sight of that, that you let everything just kind of pile up and, and kind of bog you down. So in, in order to even begin to 
actually work with, with some kind of a balance. You have to recognize you need that. You have to have it. Yeah. Like you have to have it. Um, I've always been, a, been somebody that kind of gets in the office early and stays late. And I don't say that because I'm looking for kudos or, or extra praise or things like that. Um, you know, I, I, those values were instilled in me when I was, when I was a kid and growing up and, and just being around my parents and, and watching my parents work and, and raise a family. And, and, and really, um, you know, my father was a, was a guy that always did extra, um, always, you know, got to the office, stayed late, worked at home, would come home, had his home office, would do some work there. Um, but always found the time to be at sports games, uh, or to take family vacations or to carve out some time, even to watch a movie on TV or, or, you know, to, to tune into a game and sit on the couch with me and, and do that. We always were able to do that. My mother, my mother, um, you know, raised my sister and I, she was a stay at home mom. And, um, you know, as anybody will tell you that, 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 uh, has kids, you know, that job is, is as hard, if not the hardest job, uh, that exists. And so I, I have those values instilled in me and I really, um, it's just kind of the way I tick. Yeah. So, I think the balance for me is, is helped along by the fact that I'll put the time in. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, but I, but I think it can be achieved without necessarily working all the hours that, that perhaps some of us do. And it's just really, again, it's going back and, and just recognizing that you need to have it. There needs to be time when you walk away. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something I struggled with early in my career because I was, I was the guy, even as a classroom teacher, it would be at school sometimes at eight o'clock at night, putting, to, putting together a lesson. And while that was great, and while I think it really benefited my students and, and, and continue to form those bonds and relationships uh, in the classroom, I also realized that, you know, you get home at 8.30, quarter to nine at night, wiped out, and you're waking up at six o'clock the next morning. So you didn't yeah. really have any time for yourself. And so uh, as I got older and as I started to um, get a little bit deeper into my career, and certainly as I took this role um, as an assistant principal, I, um, I realized I needed to carve those times out. So um, I will stay late at work now for the purpose of being able to spend that time with my family later or so that I can walk out of here without a briefcase. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll always check email. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend. I mean, listen. Oh, I, it's easy. It's on the hip. You know, chances are pretty good. If somebody fires off a random email at 11, 10 p.m., I'm probably going to see it before the morning. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I don't. But I do try to um, I do try to step away. And I do try not to bring stuff home um, because I, I put that time in early in the morning getting here before a lot of the staff does and staying a little bit later than, than most of the staff does. Although my administrative team, everybody would like to know right now, my two uh, fellow APs and my boss, my principal are literally right outside the door talking. So we're here at, at five Oh eight on a, on a Tuesday night. And listen, I know that a lot of people do that. And, and I think that that's part of it too. You need to understand that you do have to put some time and you do have to put the hours in, but when you do that, and if you do it right, you can turn the computer off at night and go home and enjoy your family, watch a sport, you know, on TV, or throw yeah. a game on, um, you know, go work out, have a nice dinner, relax, kind of decompress and allow yourself to recharge. Um, but, you know, it's something that I, I don't think you necessarily start with. I think that that balance is something that most educators struggle with early on. And then as they maybe... Um, kind of move up the line, perhaps in roles and responsibilities, I think you always kind of have to reinvent it. So yeah. I think by the 18th year in the classroom, I was, you know, I'd like to think that I had a, a great balance by then. And then I jump started it all over again, because now I'm a brand new administrator and needing to understand what that job entails and the hours and the time and the commitment that was going to take before I was able to fully get to the point where right now I think I have a pretty good balance going. Yeah. Uh, there's some days I put in that I, I kind of look up at the clock and say, oh, my God, it's seven o'clock. And then there's sometimes <laughs> and then there's sometimes when I say, you know, listen, um, 
I got to go coach my daughter's uh, travel basketball team. So I, I got to get out of here at five. So, you know, again, it's just, it's not something I think you're born with. And it's not something that I think is a one size fits all for everybody. I think it's something you constantly work at, but I think recognizing it, committing to it, making sure you get the job done, but also knowing that there's a time to close the briefcase, shut the laptop screen, you know, turn off the computer and get in your car and get home. And, and I think that there's time to do that. Um, it, it just takes some, some working out and everybody's different. Yep. And a, I think a little trial and error too. And, and I, I think, you know, when, when the, you know, the, 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 the first school bell rings in the morning through when the last school bell rings, you have that captive audience in the building in your presence. So just that strategy of, you know, the administrative tasks that require my undivided attention, like my pocket of time is going to be, you know, 630 to 745 a.m. And I know I'm going to be able to be productive for that hour, hour 15. When students are the bill, are in the building, maybe it's, you know, some of those, you know, little things that you could start and stop pretty easily, knowing that you're probably going to be, you know, in the hallways, different responsibilities that are more people facing. And then, you know, when the bell rings and everybody's on the bus, it's back at, you know, another hour bang out of kind of undivided attention time, administrative stuff. And it's not, well, I figure after like, you know, 28, you know, 28 years, it sounds like, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like you got it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'm in a pretty good spot. I think, you know, you know there's always some, uh, some wrenches thrown in the works, but I'll tell you, you know, it, it's funny you say that because um, people ask me sometimes the difference between being a teacher and being an administrator. And I always answer the same way. And I don't know if I ever heard this somewhere, but I, I pretend it's my own anyway, even <laughs> because I like it. Say and, it with confidence. Say it with confidence. We'll believe so, you. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> and people may have said this before me, but I'm going to claim it as my own right now. Um, when they ask me, I say uh, the difference is simply this. As a teacher, you can plan for your day. Sure. A couple of things might go one way or something might zig when you thought it was going to zag. You know, you have an issue with the student. Something goes on. Technology issue, something like that. But yeah. for the most part, you plan your day. When you're an administrator, your day comes to you. Yeah, <laughs> was that the, the best laid plans of mice and men? You think you've got it all? You've got an eight o'clock, a nine o'clock. You got a break. You're gonna get in here. You're gonna look at this class. You're gonna check out these students. You're gonna look at this project. You're gonna get down and talk to the coach about the game last night, and it blows up. Yeah, <laughs> yep. it blows a completely different way. And you look up at the clock and go, "It's one p.m." Like, <laughs> like I, I've got an hour left of school. Like, what's you know, I, I have eighteen things I thought I was gonna get done today, but. You know, you find a way. Um, yep. And, I, and I, I heard something um, many years ago from actually a group of superintendents that came to speak um, to one of my master's classes. And um, one of the superintendents, uh, somewhere from upstate, now long since retired, uh, said something I always thought was pretty profound and pretty, pretty basic, but really kind of struck a chord with me. He said, very few things you do as administrator are things you have to get done immediately at that moment right away. Yeah. And I think all administrators can, can appreciate that. I thought it was one of the most uh, important pieces of advice I got um, when I was, when I was uh, taking on this gig. And I think that it's, it still sticks with me. You know, obviously there are those moments. There are those things that are, it's now, it's right now. It's important. It's urgent. It's uh, whether it's a safety issue or, or just something that needs to be handled immediately. We have those moments, certainly. But the vast majority of what we do as school leaders are things that we can prioritize in a way in which it allows us to strike the balance that we're talking about and get everything done and get everything done to the fullest degree that we need to. But, you know, the idea that someone knocks on your door, the phone rings at the same time, your email you know, pops up, you know, the, the idea of having to try to address all those things at once, first of all, is impossible. And when you step back and take a breath, okay, I saw who just called. I can get back to the, to the teacher in a, you know, in a few minutes. That email looks like something I can, I can do in a little while. Um, someone just knocked on my door. Let me see what it's all about and see if I have to address it right away. There's a lot of that juggling yeah. as administrators, but um, I always go back to that. I, I always remember that. I, I thought it was one of the best things that I heard through all the courses I took, through all the, um, the internships and things like that, just simply... Very few things need to be solved immediately at that moment. And to always remember that so that it helps you prioritize. 
Yeah, I love it. And that, I mean, again, even if you're not in education, that's a great comment, a great lesson to, to, to take into whatever industry that you're in or, or what, you know, whatever, you know, school environment you might be in, whether it be as a student or, or a new teacher that, you know, take the time to look at, you know, like you said, what needs to be done now, what can wait a little bit, what can wait a longer bit and almost triage it like they do at the hospital, the emergency room, right? Um, Absolutely. So we, and we touched on this during the pro, the, the start of the episode, the two week summer program, be, being involved in that. And you were involved more in week one, week two, I know was a little bit more of a, a spot, you know, check in here and there. What it was impressive for us to see a group of the same group of students for 10 days out of, you know, out of the two weeks and to see that growth. We, it's not something we get to do very regularly. A lot of our program programs are, you know, a day or, or, you know, once a month type deal, type deal. Um, what, from that two week experience, what impressed you most about the students that were involved? Their willingness to, uh, to take a risk. Um, to be honest, I think that it's no different. What you do in a lot of ways is no different than what teachers do in the classroom. And there's always going to be the, you know, the, the greatest thing that you think you've put together, you know, the best lesson plan, the best activity that Empower, you know, someone from Empower is going to run. You always have that, okay, here, we're launching it right now. And am I going to get dead silence and <laughs> stares or people looking down or turning around or kind of like the, God, I hope they don't call on me. Or am I going to get all right, I'll do this. I'm willing to give this a shot or this sounds cool or this is something different. Let me, let me take a you know, whack at it. Um, I saw that from day one and it's a credit to what you all do and how, how the program is set up that, that brings that out of kids. I mean, these are kids, as you know, you work with kids all the time as well. You don't know them. Yeah. You, know, you get out of your, you know, you get out of your car, you get out of your truck, you come over, you set things up. Here come the kids and suddenly, you know, the, the light goes on, the camera's on, and it's time to go. But you don't know what you're going to get. And so what I was most impressed with from our bunch is the fact that they were willing. I don't know if it was extra willingness because of the fact that probably the summer prior they had nothing. And, and, and maybe that's part of it. But I also think that, um, you know, kids inherently are curious. Yep. And if you kind of catch them, you know, kind of right at the starting point and, and you, you bring something to them that is something they haven't seen, something that there's a little mystery, a little suspense, maybe a little anxiousness about, you know, those are the kinds of things that, that I think your program does. And it's very similar to what teachers and good educators do in the classroom or coaches do, you yep. know, is to tap into something that isn't um, going to be instantly comfortable and is it going to be something that everybody goes, oh, I've done this before. I know how this goes or follow me. You know, that idea of, of, of kids that are now, you know, this summer coming into high school after this past two years and being able to say, all right, I'm going to follow, you know, what this person's doing and I'm going to, I'm going to play along. Um, I thought it was really a credit to, to the students. But it's also a credit to the work you do because I think that, you know, you can't you can't sell kids on just anything. Yeah, kids are some of the toughest consumers that we know. I mean, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you cannot just decide one day everything you say they're going to buy. You've got to sell it. You've got to be showmen. You've got to be educators. You've got to be people that are willing to. Um roll your own sleeves up and kind of be a little bit fun and a little bit crazy and a little bit zany and, and, and kind of get into it. And that's the stuff that gets the kids going. So I think watching them really from the word go, nobody turned away, nobody sat out, nobody walked away. I'm sure there was a lot of butterflies. There was a lot of nervous energy. There was a lot of people going, Oh my God, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And that's what you want because the last thing you want to do in a summer program like that is to have students feel like they're uncomfortable, they're not, they don't want to engage, that the activities aren't for them, um, that they don't want to participate with their peers, 
some of which they know, some of which they don't, or some of who they know, some of whom they don't. Um, you know, I, I think it's 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 impressive and it's inspiring to watch students um, just kind of decide I'm going to give it a try yeah. because you know we talk about taking risks all the time, and it's it's a it's an age old mantra in education. You know, you know, take the risk, you know, learn something new, try something new. It might not be comfortable, but it's one thing when you see it happen. And um, you see it all the time in good classrooms and you see it all the time in programs like yours where it's, it's two parts. It's got to be the structure and what you're trying to do and how you pour yourself into it that ultimately leads to part two, which is getting the kids to go, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. You're telling me I'm going to do this activity. I've never done it. There's a lot of trust involved. There's a lot of things that I don't know how to do, but I'm going to do it. And, um, you know, obviously culminating in, you know, the final day, the adventure part, yeah. high rope stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> you and I talked often, um, about what we saw during those days and, um, you know, I've seen programs like that before and it never ceases to amaze me. And I love the fact that kids are willing to do it and that by the end of it, every kid is willing to do it. Yeah. And by the end of it, they realize, and they look back and go, like, I just did that. Like, I yep. just, I just climbed that ladder. I just walked that tightrope. I just crawled through that, you know, that, that, that log that's, you know, suspended 35 feet off the ground, yep. something they would never even consider doing. So it's the willingness. It's the passion that good teachers, and, and I certainly consider you a, a great teacher as well. Thank it, you. It's that, it's that passion that you bring that gets them to be willing. So it was watching them just kind of say, I'm going to do it and then do it. And it's huge. And, and again, you see this, I'm sure. And we get to see it in the, the, the variety of student groups that we work with that, like the fear of failure is so prevalent. And, you know, I don't know if it's like the instantaneous nature of like things being on social media, if you do something embarrassing or if you, you fail or flop in something, um, there's such a hesitance by many of the students we work with to put themselves out there because their mind immediately goes to like the top 10 of worst case scenarios <laughs> in that situation right. when in reality especially with the adventure stuff you know knock on wood a lot of it is like the perceived risk to them it, you know it's what simulates real risk and uh, they oh they have the butterflies and they have the I don't know if I have what it takes to get through this activity or that activity and then they go for it and they realize like holy crap I right. did it once Let's, I let's try it again tomorrow. And oh my good, two in a row. And, and before you know it, there's this momentum and, and the, the more they do it and they realize even in moments of failure that they're still safe and it's not something that's thrown up there on, on, you know, Instagram or TikTok where they're ridiculed and they realize like, all right, even in this moment of failure, like the worst thing that happened was we, you know, maybe we had to start this activity over again. Let's give it another shot tomorrow and, and try to be a, a half step better tomorrow. And it, it's such a valuable lesson for, you know, it really anybody, but especially youths to be, to realize like, Hey, it's okay to put yourself out there. It's okay to pour yourself into something and not know what the result's going to be because you, you win anyway, you win regardless. And it's funny. And it's funny. We never stop doing it. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I, I think um, is it's great for the kids to learn it at this age because yep. we never stop. You know, whether or not it's, you know, we talk about roles and responsibilities and, and, and climbing up a ladder, perhaps in, in the field that you're in, that's going to take new learning. Yep. That's going to take you getting into things that you haven't done before. Interviews, if you're going for new jobs, um, skills that you need to pick up. We never stop doing this. You know, I'm, you know, well into my career and there are still things that I'm doing for the first time or there's new things that come that, you know, I still get the butterflies. Yeah. I still sit there and go, oh, God, am I going to be able to do this? Like, or, or really? Like, yeah. And, you know, listen, you know, we all have those moments, too, where um, I, I think even as adults, we, we have moments, and maybe not for you because you're Superman. But No, 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 no. no. I, I know where you're going. Listen, I'm not you know in my head. We still, we still get involved in those things where – you know, you kind of shrink a little bit lower in your seat yep. or you kind of look around, you know, you, you try to break the eye contact for a second. Listen, um, I think it probably happens once or twice a year, even with me, where, you know, you're just unsure of that. But it's so good to build those things 
And again, going back to just the idea of willingness, just being willing to do it. Um, and it's funny. I think that little kids, really small kids, have more than any of us. Oh, it, it's go, it's go. Idea, you know, I, I always <laughs> use that, I always use that that um, that that story. I'm sure we all have a story like that. The first time I ever go to learn to ski, I'm in my teens. Never skied and um, lived in Vermont for two years and didn't ski once while I was there. So you explain that. I don't know. But so I'm, I'm a teenager learning to ski and, you know, I've got the poles out. I'm doing the snow plow. And here comes, you know, five-year-old kid, no poles flying down. You know, this sense, I'll do anything. You tell me to do this. This looks great. I'm yeah. doing it. And, you know, they're whipping down the hill and I'm, you know, I'm clinging to every, you know, possible <laughs> curve that I can. And, but I, I think that it's true though. I mean, and that's why I think we need to keep giving opportunities to kids all along the way, because I think that that ends up making them more apt to take on new challenges, more apt to take on new responsibilities, more apt to go for, for new roles or to move, move themselves along um, in a given field or, you know, college or a job or, or whatever as, as adults and, and parents. I mean, you always want to build that stuff. So every time that you can give opportunities to young people um, to be able to just be willing to try new things and to take a risk and step off a ledge, I, I think is is what it's all about. And watching that this summer with kids I had never set eyes on, yeah, I thought was powerful. And it's something too. I think you know, I, you know, any teachers listening or coaches listening, like. Giving your students, your athletes, your coworkers, team members the opportunity to 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 explore that and to realize, hey, like the great things I can accomplish aren't going to happen just because I want them to, or just be, just by doing the easy stuff. And uh, as you touched on, there's going to be moments for the rest of our lives where we walk into a room or into a situation where, like, God, please don't pick <laughs> me, or you know, please don't make me speak up, or or whatever it might be, and the more you do it and you realize that, you know, the worst case scenario is, is not really a possibility. And it's, 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 Hey, let's go at it with some courage and, and win, lose or draw. We still win. Um, yeah, I love it. And that, I'm glad, I'm glad you went that route in the answer. And well, it's funny, you know, for all the educators out there, but anybody, but really the educators, whether they're classroom teachers or uh, administrators, everybody knows, everybody knows, that when it comes time to break out into a breakout group yeah. and they say that they need a recorder and a presenter, people dive on that recording job. <laughs> all they want to do is, is, is their computer flying open. I'm ready. I got the notes up or the pens <laughs> out because everybody knows if you lock that one down, you're not presenting. <laughs> they're far away from being the person that stands up and has to talk to everybody else. So, you know, Get that happens, happens every time, every yep. time. Dead on accurate. I sick and love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And Hey, just so you know, too, every single program, like the five minutes before, like setup is over and we're waiting for that group arrive every single time the butterflies happen. Absolutely. And, uh, it's, it's great. And what makes it, it's what makes it a fun adventure. Like, you don't, you don't know how it's going to go. You go. All right. We're with Christopher Koch, Chris Koch. He's the assistant principal at Bunnell high school. He was awesome. Even so awesome, one to be here on the podcast, but he also contributed a Lead with Empower blog article a couple of weeks ago. So we'll make sure we include that in the show notes for the episode. Chris, let's learn a little bit about you as a leader. All right. And uh, I don't know if things will be heaters. They might be, they might not be, but one sentence Chris is a leader, dot, dot, dot. Go. <laughs> Who leads with passion by example and never stops learning and isn't afraid to recognize that love it your biggest uh biggest strength that uh from your perspective like you're, you know you feel you're best at what with regards to, to leading others or leading yourself communication um it, it's something that i think you are you do not start this job with um you, you, i mean let me rephrase you start the job with it, but you don't start the job being as good as I think you can be at it. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a classroom teacher or years later when I moved into administration, I have gotten increasingly better and, and I've become a better person and a better leader because of my ability to listen and to communicate with other people on a level that 
I think demonstrates that I care about them and what they have to say and what's going on. And, and I just don't think that that's, I know this is more than a sentence. I don't think that that's something that, uh, that um, anybody starts with. Yeah. So maybe you can shorten that into a sentence. I don't no, know. we just say, we'll throw a couple commas in there. It's a good run. There you on. go. There you <laughs> go. Um, from your vantage point, your biggest leadership weakness. You knew that was a follow-up. Come on. I did know it was a follow-up. <laughs> it, it, that's always the tough one, right? Because, um, you know, everything always comes with the caveat that you're always working toward being better, you know? Yep. So, you know that's like the, the, that's like the yearbook interview question, right? Where yeah, that's right. You got to come up with something, but you, you kind of have to be careful what you come up with, right? You can't time management and think that you're just sitting down playing, you know, a video game for half the day. Um, I, I think that it's... Um, I think sometimes I expect a little bit too much for myself. And I mean that only in the way, like sometimes I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to get it right the first time. And as I've gotten older, I think that the spaces between that are really the, the good points. Those are really the juicy points. It's, it's, it's the journey as much as it is getting to the successful conclusion. Yeah. And I think sometimes I, I, I want to, I want to get the right answer. I want to, I want to make it happen. I want everyone to be satisfied. That's it. You did it. But sometimes I think that I need to stop and, and experience a little bit about the journey um, to get there. Yep. And so um, probably that I, I would say, and, and that's just something I continue to work on. Great. Um, and th this might be another tough one to follow up on, but I, you know, I think one of the things that we, that we try to teach or, yeah, teach through our programming is the idea that, hey, we're, no one is perfect. We're going to have moments of success and triumph, but we're also going to have low moments of failure and struggle. Um, and, and those low moments aren't necessarily failures unless you don't take something from them to allow you to, to get better at who you are and, and the craft that it is that you're into. Um, is there a moment and you could kind of choose where, how, you know, what you, what you share here, but is there a moment where you can look back on a personal like leadership failure? And, and again, it could be, you know, in the school, in, in the administrative setting and the, in, as a teacher, you know, earlier in your career, where at the moment it was, you know, maybe not, maybe a crushing blow, crushing defeat, but looking back on it now, you know, you realize, Hey, I'll, I'm better at what I'm doing now because I experienced that low moment you know, years ago, whatever it might be. Sure. And, and I think actually that, believe it or not, that's a little bit easier, I think, than the last question. I think it's um, when I was, I'm going to go back a little further because I think it plays a significant part in the answer. When I was a high school student myself, I didn't seize as many opportunities. And I go back to willingness. Um, not that I was closed off, yeah. but I wasn't um, as outgoing as I like to think I am now. And so I didn't seize some of those opportunities that were presented to me when I was a high school student. Uh, as a result, I think that's made me a better leader because I can talk very honestly to students sitting across the table from me in my office that might have um, encountered an issue or, or, or maybe on a, a slippery slope uh, one way or the other. And I can speak to them from a position of, I didn't do it right necessarily and certainly not all the time. Yep. And I didn't. I mean, there were times when I struggled in school and didn't do the things that I knew I could have done to kind of pull myself a little bit out of the abyss, perhaps at times. And nothing earth shattering, you know, uh, wasn't going to fail out of school or anything like that. But but there were moments in time when, when uh, I know that I could have taken some opportunities and I know that I had all the support behind me and I still kind of just pushed back a little bit. But because of that, I think I can really respond to students that are doing it now. Yep. And, and even adults that do it now that are, that are a little bit resistant to change or step out of the comfort zone, because I think I've lived uh, in both worlds. And so I think that's made me a better leader today is, is being able to say, when I sit across from a student and say, hey, listen, I wasn't valedictorian in my class. I, I was sitting down wondering where I was going to get in college because of some of the choices that I had made academically. and. Yep. And things like that. Again, not, you know, I don't want to paint a doom and gloom, but there were things I, I could have done. There were opportunities, advantages 
that I had and things I could have taken um, uh, more advantage of and kind of put myself in a better position. But in a way, if I had done that back then, I wouldn't be where I was today. Yep. Yep. So love it. Do you find yourself as a leader? Do you, do you bring in your, a lot of your personal past experiences that as a way to build those connections and to help, you know, maybe shine a light, you know, for a student or maybe a new teacher who's, who's experiencing some struggles. Do you, do you leverage that in in your leadership regularly? All the time. And I think that every good leader absolutely does leverage that as much as they possibly can. Um, Again, it goes back to where we started with connections. The truest connections you're going to build is when you'll give something to yourself because I don't think you can ask others to give of themselves if you're not willing to do it. And I think that, um, you know, in both cases, when I'm talking to students and I talk about some of my own um, experiences in high school, uh, and then I talk about um, being a young teacher to staff members and just knowing that, you know, you can have all the passion in the world. You can have all the drive in the world. You can prepare as much as you want, but you can't stop learning. You can't stop wanting to do better. So yeah, I share that stuff all the time. I think, I think anybody that really wants to dig deep into leadership and become the best leader they can has to do that. They yeah. have to share of themselves. And, it, and you, you've said the word multiple times, the connection, the idea of relationship and just how important that is to be able to, to lead effectively and, and, Again, that was one of the things that stuck out to me, you know, day one, you know, talking with you during our first uh, program over there at Benell High School. Um, and it's great that you're able to continue to do that and, and leverage your, your pluses and minuses over your lifetime and to help maybe help people realize, you know, their, their way out of a, you know, a, a, whether it be a slightly dark time or a significantly dark time. Um, we're on the home stretch here, Chris. Okay. Again, ladies and gents, thanks for joining the Lead with Empower podcast. We have Christopher Koch. He's the assistant principal at Benal High School. Absolute rock star. We're going to close up the episode right here with a little bit of, and again, we're both guilty of this. Uh, it's supposed to be rapid response, rapid or rapid fire, rapid response. It usually doesn't end up that way. Anyway, we're going to give it the best shot right here. So um, you've, you've been in education for quite a, quite a bit of time. When did you find out that that was the path you were going to, you were going to chase down and was there a person or an experience that inspired you to do so? 100%. Uh, my social studies teacher in senior year in high school, taught two elective courses, half years. Up until that point, I was putting journalism down on college applications, got halfway through the year, had a few more applications to get out. This teacher was life-changing uh, the passion he brought to the subject. I immediately, the last half of my applications turned into history with the idea of becoming a teacher. And it was senior in high school. It took me all the way through there, but I got to that, that point and followed it. Love it. Um, that inspired you then what, what inspires you not like to keep on doing what you're doing at such a high level. What, what's that daily inspiration that I think, you know, motivates you, inspires you to continue to bring all of you into that building? In the, when I was in the classroom, it was the aha moments. It was watching the kids get it, watching the kids buy into it, watching the kids' eyes light up, just, just watching those students, some of which, some of whom have never, you know, kind of had those moments at least in front of me before. And now it's the same thing, only it's watching it when I step into the classroom or I step onto the, the playing field or I step onto the into the gym and watch students and adults interacting and, and, and getting it and just yeah. having those aha moments where everything's clicking. It's like, th- what a lesson this teacher put, put up and my God, the kids are just eaten out of the palm of their hands. They love it. Yeah. They want more. And the same thing with great coaches and um, you know, fortunate being a, an administrator in high school and being around sports and things like that, just, watching that happen. And, and that's, it's just, it's special watching a relationship form and being a part of that. Love it. You brought up sports a couple of times throughout the episode as well. You're at athletic growing up and, and involved in sport, did some coaching and, and still very engaged in the Benel high school athletic scene uh, down there. If, and, the, and this is very way, way out there. If, if you could be like a pro athlete, what sport would you pick and what position would you pick and why? 
Wow. That's a great question. Wow. <laughs> I'm a four sport lover. So that's a tough one. I played baseball <laughs> for the most part, but, um, um, wow. I think it would have to be, um, Captain, believe it or not, this is going to, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here. Cause I don't know how many people are going to answer this question this way. Um, being the captain and probably the center on a hockey team. Nice. Um, the fast pace, the action is something that I've become used to in my job now. And it's something that I think that sport brings as much as anything else. It's rapid fire. It's quick changing. It's something goes this way. You go that way. It's very similar to what I do. And, um, I don't know. Those guys are studs. Those guys are tough. Yeah. <laughs> those guys are tough. I mean, listen, I love, I love all sports, but man, those guys are, those guys are something else. Probably the toughest pro athletes. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty impressive. The stuff yeah. you do. So being, being a, a, a respected leader, being the captain of, uh, dare I say the Boston Bruins. <laughs> I really, I really want to get into it. No, uh, go I was going to ask you what, uh, what uh, uni you'd be wearing. So. That would be pretty, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> It, it, we'll stay on that topic for a second. What, who was the athlete grow Like for me, Don Maddenly was like the guy I turn on the TV, watch Don Madden. Like this guy oozes baseball. Like I want to be him, but I was five foot nine and, and short and heavy and, you know, lefty though, lefty, lefty. Who, okay. who was that guy for you? Well, unfortunately, so now, now you, now I'm going to flip the script because <laughs> as much as I just touted hockey and how great that would be in the fast pace and all um, without a doubt, 100%, absolutely larry bird yeah oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah that it's my wheelhouse it was when uh just everything was just firing this guy was just the the leadership by example the tenacity the um i don't know just just being the guy in that moment and coming through all the time and you know i've been fortunate enough as we all have that are sports fans to have a lot of people like that throughout different sports i mean being a Boston sports fan, I've, I've enjoyed a renaissance that I never thought I would, yeah. <laughs> I would have. You asked me 30 years ago, I did not think I'd be, I'd be talking about the you know, Boston sports with this kind of uh, resume now. But, don't worry, hey, don't worry, we're going to delete this whole part from the podcast. <laughs> anyway. but, hey, but Bird was always there. Bird was always there. Back when everything else wasn't clicking, the Celtics and, and Larry Bird was, he's just, I don't know, just, it's always going to be Bird for me. Dude, talk about a guy too that just made the people around him better. Like you want to talk about leadership, like making the people out like that was, that was Larry Bird in a nutshell. Absolutely. Ultimate, ultimate team guy. Yep. Yep. Um, and you might, you might've used this already, but I'll, I'll see if you, you ring consistent with it. The best leadership uh, advice you've received and then uh, given. Um, well, certainly um, can, making connections. I mean, yep. I, I know uh, you, you've heard that term a lot. Um, but really it's all about connections. Um, so the best that I've ever given to somebody, I think is to never stop learning and never stop making the connections, never stop being, you're always a teacher. You're always a student. And in what we do day in and day out, you can't forget those two things. We are always teachers at heart. We are always students at heart. We're always going to learn, but you only do that when you connect with people and you're willing to make deeper connections. Yep. And then the best advice I ever got, it was, was really to, um, it, it probably wasn't even advice. It was, again, going back, it was probably just following the example of, of my parents. Yep. And, you know, in, in my father in particular, just a really quick story. I remember being a little kid and watching my father putting on the suit in the morning. I'd sit on the edge of the bed when I was little and watching him tie his shoes. And sometimes I'd help him shine the shoes and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, and, 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 you know, you'd have like 10, 10 wins would be on in the background or whatever on the radio. And, but, you know, I, I just, my dad got up and he, and he got it done at the same time, my mother was getting up and getting us ready and getting it done. And I think that it's not advice that comes out, you know, it's, there's not some quote that I can attach to it. It's seeing it, it's living it. And it's, it's wanting to, to do that. It's wanting yep. to contribute. It's wanting to be a part of, of that. And uh, so watching that example, I think is better than any quote that I've ever had or anything anybody ever said to me. Love it. Love it. Last one. And again, ladies and gents, this is Chris Koch. He's the, one of the assistant principals down at Bunnell high school, absolute, uh, you know, tremendous leader uh, and a guy that does it his way and does it by building connections, building trust and, and bringing a little bit of him into every interaction. Um, 
what's the what's from again your schools are a month in what's the the motivational wisdom coming from you to people that are in education to I think recognize that the 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 very important opportunity ahead of both you know educators and students um you know coming out of the past couple years uh, of school what's what's a a one-liner of the of motivation from you Chris to share with students and teachers the world finally gets it they finally get what it is that we do um parents for the first time really had to step out and, and do what we do to the best of their ability and they appreciate it more now than ever seize that opportunity just take that opportunity as educators and and run with it yeah. run with with the appreciation run with the fact that the kids are hungry and listen it's been abnormal for too long it's time to get some normalcy back and it's time to it's time to get after it. And, and I think that that's what I would say. It, we, we're never been in a position like we are now yep. where everybody understands what we do and applauds us for what we do. And it's time to seize it. Love it. Love it. Chris, can't thank you enough, man, to hang out late on a, on a Tuesday night. Excited to, uh, to get, get the episode out there to everybody. And I, I, again, can't thank you enough, my friend. It was a pleasure as always. All good. I'm glad to be here. And it's always great talking to you. I love what you guys do. Listen, like I said, you guys are bringing it every day too. Love it. I'm just happy to be connected with you and, and to do the work that we do. Feelings mutual, Chris. Thank you again. And and ladies and gents, thank you for checking out episode two, season four, Chris Koch leads with empower. Hey, go out, build some relationships, challenge yourself to, to, I think, give of yourself in those relationships. And as always, don't forget to be courageous, be kind and get after it. We'll see you next week. Thank you for checking it out. Bye everybody. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.